We are the Mystery History Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Rachel. Welcome to episode 131 on Kara Nichols' disappearance. This was suggested to us, and I cannot remember who suggested it. it might have been you Jamie. Look, you didn't look it up? No, I couldn't find it. I tried to look it up. So if you if you suggested this, thank you very much. It's a very crazy tale, especially uh, after 2022. With the recent updates. Yes, which we've got. So this will be a complete, a complete story. Before we get into it, we got a few business things to mention. What do we want them to do? Like, share, and subscribe, please. Yes, please. Um, we are so close to 100,000 downloads. And when we say downloads, um, we really mean plays. So anytime you play one of our episodes, it counts. Yes. Uh, somebody asked don't a question have to about that. Physically download it. Right. So somebody asked a question about that. I just wanted to let you know that yes, if you play one of our episodes, it counts as a download. So um, we are at ninety-seven thousand right now. So close. At a hundred thousand, we will do a giveaway for some sort of clothing item. Yes, from our shop. So if you have some older episodes that you haven't listened to. Go yeah. back there and listen to them. Those all count. They do all count. And the sooner that you listen, the sooner we'll hit 100,000 and the, the sooner we'll do the giveaway. Just makes sense. It does. Just makes good logical sense. Well, also, if you have any episode suggestions, please let us know. And I will do better at writing those down. <laughs> um, <laughs> Who suggested them? Yes, that was uh, my bad on that um but let me hold on let me look really really fast for Typically, what oh okay i do have it it was um missy rather on insta oh she suggested this so thank you very much for your suggestion yes thank you uh i never heard of this case before we started looking stuff up about it um and it's super sad um but yeah. So, so but it, this picture you have of her, she looks like the same age as us, and like the style looks not then, the age we are now, just the age we would have been with the style that she's wearing. So I feel yeah. like she was probably close to our age. Yeah, she's um a little younger than us, but um, but yeah, about we would we'd be dressing like this too back in the day. Um. Mm -hmm. So, yes, one last thing. We also have 120 plus episodes now in our Patreon catalog. Oh, yeah. Lots now, of episodes. Lots of episodes. Now, those don't count towards our 97,000 downloads, but we would still really love for you to join. So you can go to patreon.com backslash mystery history podcast and join our $2 tier or our $5 tier. And let's say you don't win a giveaway for the mm. clothing item. We'll give you a coupon. Yeah. Everybody I mean, likes a deal. Everybody wins. I love a good coupon. Yep. Me too. I will buy things I don't need if I have a coupon. Yep. So buy something you don't need. Get some. Get a shirt or a sweatshirt, which I'm wearing. And it's so comfortable. Do we still have the throw pillows? <laughs> I think 
Monica. We switched. Was that on the last? Yeah, was that the last vendor? I think it yeah, was. I think so too. Somebody Just- did buy one of those and I love it. And I hope it's on our couch still. I feel like it would look cool no matter yeah. the decor. <laughs> yeah, Dana. She's the one that bought it. Mm-hmm. You still got it on your couch, girl? Let us know. <laughs> And that's all the business that I had. That is all the business. So I'll get us started. Yes, please. On Kara Nichols. So she was born on May 20th, 1993 to Paul and Julia Nichols in Colorado Springs, Colorado. She had an older brother and a younger sister, middle child. Mm -hmm. Kara was described by many as having a great sense of humor She was very social, well-spoken, and kept in contact regularly with friends and family. She had an interest in art, and she enrolled in private lessons. She was known to be a talented artist who won several community and school competitions. She loved drawing and detailed sketches of models and gowns and dresses. So, She was an artiste. Sounds like she's well-rounded. Around the age of 13, Kara started rebelling a little bit like all kids do right we've Mm -hmm. all been in that situation where we just damn the man we're doing what we want yep she was arrested for shoplifting and was involved with the juvenile court which she was sentenced to community service so she didn't do any hard time just a little cleanup of the community when she was 16 she began to use drugs primarily heroin so that escalated Uh very fast quickly that escalated quickly heroin's very bad it is and i feel like if you use it one time like that's all you need to do and then you're hooked Mm -hmm. on it yeah kara attended rampart high school and during her sophomore year her dog died which caused her to spiral into a deep depression you and i both get that totally i i get it girl i understand yeah that's terrible so her parents actually put her into counseling where they prescribed her medicine, but Kara didn't like taking the pills because they had really strong side effects. So doesn't really make sense because like heroin was okay, but like <laughs> antidepressants, that's a no-go. But, you know, everybody's different. Kara's family decided to enroll her in a different alternative school, um, some of several of them, and they got kind of mixed results. She did end up graduating from Life Skills of Colorado Springs, which let her work at her own pace. And that seemed to work really well for her. Mm-hmm. After graduation, she got a waitressing job and decided to pursue a career in modeling. So summer 2012, the Nichols family moved to Chicago. While in the city, Kara continued to use drugs, which led her family to enroll her in a drug pr- treatment program. She was later kicked out because she failed to follow the rules, which that happens a lot. Yeah. I feel like if you're not ready to go, you're not mm-hmm. ready to go. And... That's, and especially being a kid like that and being forced into it, mm-hmm. that you're going to do everything you can to get out of there. Yeah. And I don't think it really takes a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> to get out of there. A short time later, Kara decided to return to Colorado Springs, even though her parents didn't want her to. Kara moved into a house with three other men, which her mother was very nervous about, but eventually accepted. The three men appeared harmless. And they were. When Kara... Okay, I'm like (laughs) sitting here like... Because I was about to comment. I've had multiple friends tell me that men have been their best roommates that they've Mm -hmm. had. 
And because it's difficult for women to live together, it just is like a fact. Like it's just, mm-hmm. there's problems. Yeah, <laughs> and, for sure. Yeah. My female, I have a couple female friends that have said men have been the best like roommates they've ever had. So I was going to say like, that's probably the best situation, mm-hmm. but then it, then it's us. They appeared harmless, right. and I was like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I should say anything. Yeah, they were. When, okay, good. When Karen moved back, she got her old waitressing job back and continued to model, creating a profile on Model Mayhem, which is a website. She quickly started having money trouble and was falling behind on rent and had to borrow food from her roommates. So, like, That's- rough. Yeah, but at least she had her roommates there that seemed like good enough guys to help her out when she needed it. Mm-hmm. October 9th, 2012, Kara told one of her roommates that a friend was coming to pick her up for a modeling gig. She didn't have a driver's license, so she had to rely on others to get rides. A few minutes later, a roommate saw a dark sedan pull away from the building and assumed that it was her ride that was picking her up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Over October 10th and October 11th, Kara's brother, who didn't live too far away from her, tried to call and text her, but she never responded to any of his messages. That was really odd because Kara was in contact with him almost every single day. October 12th, her brother contacted El Paso County Sheriff's Office to report Kara as missing. He was told, which we've heard time and time again, Uh that because of her age... She was allowed to be out of contact with her family as long as she wanted. But this is different. I feel like they need to have, like, not just are you family. It's like, are you the person that this person talks to every day? Right. Right. That makes a difference. It's Some people don't talk every day. You go weeks at a time. But if you talk to somebody literally every day and they don't answer your text, like, if that was you, I would be like, let's file a missing persons report. Like, right. something's wrong exactly like start asking around there would be questions yeah i hate that they're just like oh they're an adult they can just disappear if they want to well nobody really wanted to so figure it out and and that's the hard part like i understand not wanting to be inundated with a bunch of missing persons but hopefully i would feel like that might be a little bit of paperwork on the police's part but at least they would show up, you know, and then you could close it and be done with it. But it's these people mm-hmm. here that they try to file missing pe- persons reports and they don't take them seriously. And then they yeah. look fucking dumb. Excuse my French, but they, they look dumb. Do. Mm-hmm. Like they're not doing their jobs. Yeah. <laughs> no good. Kara's brother and friends told her parents that she hadn't been active on social media or used her phone since around October 9th. After learning this, her parents flew to Colorado Springs to help search for their daughter. Arriving at Kara's house, they found her laptop, professional makeup case, purse, ID, clothes, and $300 in cash still in her room. Girlfriend would not leave those items behind. Especially if she was a drug addict. Like, $300 is $300. Like, that's your next fix, right? So, yeah. And even if not, I mean, it said that she didn't have a lot of money. So, one would assume she doesn't have other money stashed around that she could, she didn't have enough money to just leave $300, even if she was running off not related to drugs. Just right. So, yeah, like, that's a big red flag. To everyone, it appeared she had planned on returning home after her modeling job. 
Her parents started pressuring police to help look for their daughter. The police opened an investigation and looked to the public for help. Kara's parents gave investigators permission to look through cell phone records. They saw that the last text messages she sent was around 11.45 p.m. on October 9th, and her cell was traveling north to Denver that night, based on tower pings. It had been inactive ever since, and police were unsure if it lost battery, got lost, or had been damaged. Right. And she didn't tell anybody she was going to Denver. (laughs) Right. A large group of Kara's friends helped her family search and passed out flyers around Colorado Springs and Denver. During the initial stages, Julia and Paul learned that their daughter had been working as a prostitute over the past two years, ever since she was 17 years old, so she could support her drug habit. So that is her- not something parents want to find Ugh. out. <laughs> yeah, especially like whenever you're missing and it's like, mm-hmm. that's definitely not good. Mm-hmm. Her, her modeling jobs had been for an escort service. Okay. They were reluctant to make this info public because they were worried about the perception of Kara that would be decided. Um, but they went ahead and released it in hopes that it would generate some sort of new information. Mm-hmm. Although, or after the info was released, news outlets began to cancel interviews with her parents and the coverage began to reduce. That is so sad. Because she's Uh still missing. That actually is, that surprises me a little bit. I don't know why, like it shouldn't if I really thought about it. But I always thought that they didn't cover those things because nobody was looking like their parents or friends. Like, you know, there wasn't a bunch of people looking for them typically. But the fact that they were having interviews and there was coverage and then when that comes out, they cancel And just are like, never mind. That makes me sick. Especially, I feel like in Colorado, that is the most accepting of things, I feel. Like, they would have been better. Oh, you mean like that? that's one of the most accepting places in yeah. the United States? Yeah. I don't know, man. People just really put their noses up at sex work and it makes me really annoyed because I bet if it was, if sex work was legal, then they probably wouldn't do that. Would continue coverage because it would. Exactly. Yeah. Because there wouldn't be such a stigma around it, but that's just awful. On November, um, in November, 2012, police announced they wanted to speak to two women that they believed had last seen Kara. Both had brown hair, and one was seen with Kara on the day that she went missing. They weren't suspects, but were considered a person of interest, and they wanted to know details of when the two parted on October 9th. The second woman was believed to be an associate of Kara's, but the police were unsure of how frequently the two actually spoke. An image of one of the women was released to the public, and an influx of leads came in. Searches commenced with the help of outside units, but both women were never found. It's crazy. Again, Somebody's gotta if know. Sex work was legal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they would probably come out. Uh yep. but and and still they still never found them. No to talk to them. No, they never came forward. The same month, images of Kara showed up on an escort service site that was run out of Las Vegas, but investigators were not able to prove that Kara was involved or not involved with the posting. And then the escort service pulled the images off the internet. So that's kind of weird, right? That is weird. 
The National Women's Coalition Against Violence and Exploitation had helped the Nichols family in trying to find Kara. Spring 2013, a business owner from Colorado Springs came forward to say that he had seen Kara for weeks after she initially went missing. He claimed he had left two voicemails with the El Paso County Sheriff's Office, one in December 2012 and one in early May, but he never got a call back. The sheriff's office claimed they did not get these messages. And when they, of course, they're going to say that. Um, (laughs) But when they asked the witness what phone number he called, he wasn't able to provide the number, which I mean, months and months and months with a call log. Maybe you don't have that saved in your phone anymore. I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, there's a couple of ways around that, but okay. I was just going to say that could they yeah, not that's look true. back in phone records to see what numbers he called? And then two, he probably just looked the number up online like everybody else does. Mm-hmm. And because it's 2012, you could do that then. Right. Like that, that number on the website. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. That's weird. According to the business owner, Kara was seen from late October 2012 to December 2012 with a scruffy-looking man who was about six foot tall. He was normally in the area of Fillmore Street and Pennsylvania Avenue around the park and businesses. The woman believed to be Kara looked scared, like the man was making her do things that she did not want to do. One witness said the woman had told the man to leave her alone and then saw him push the woman into a fence. The tip was followed up on, and the police were able to locate the man, but the woman he was seen with was his girlfriend, not Kara. Right. But you need to leave him. Oh, yes, sweetie. You need (laughs) to go. Yes, you do. You don't get to push people into fences. No. Tough guy. Yeah. So they were mistaken on Mm -hmm. her identity. Yeah, and I mean... Looking at her picture, I mean, she does have one of those faces that could be several people, you know, be Mm -hmm. mistaken as several people. So I get that. But it's nice that he called to try to report it, even though Mm -hmm. they didn't get the messages. Supposedly. Mm -hmm. Uh, July 2013, Kara's parents announced a $1,000 reward for info leading to her whereabouts. And then fall 2013, a college student studying criminal justice looked into Kara's case. She drove to Denver and spoke to a lot of drug addicts and homeless people who say that they had seen a girl that looked like Kara at a nonprofit business that exchanges syringes and needles for those addicted to drugs. The lead was investigated, and this woman also turned out not to be Kara. So she she do got that face. <laughs> she do. And and it is good that the community is is outwardly trying to help, right? Yeah. It sounds like people are submitting legitimate tips, legitimate in the sense that they truly believe that they could be her. So mm-hmm. yes. May 2014. Yikes. Deputy Sheriff Cliff Porter who was working the case, admitted in a publicly released recording that he had cut corners in the investigation, saying he spent very little time working on the case and ignored clues that could have been vital in the beginning. You dumbass. Why did he do that? I I didn't I didn't see if it was something where like somebody was like recording when he wasn't aware. That's kind of what it seems like. And then it was publicly released. Um, so I'm sure he didn't intend for that to come out. 
<laughs> right. But I just mean, why Why did he not work the case? Like, why did... Probably because the prostitution thing. I mean, I don't know. It's It seems like from the very beginning, they did not want to help at all with mm-hmm. this. Yeah. After this statement was released, the Nichols family released a statement saying how upset the recording made them, obviously. Uh, They questioned how the investigation would have went if the tips and leads had not gone gone unnoticed and the fact that no forensic investigation had ever been performed. They criticized the sheriff's office work with the cell phone records, claiming that the sheriff had told them not to speak with the media or post any flyers. They needed to keep it just in-house, which is ridiculous. There is no way anyone would stop me for searching for my child. Mm -mm. Arrest me. Like, whatever. It sounds like they had, like... They they should have had something with the cell phone right. stuff they did have. Like, how do they just not have anything? Because they weren't doing their job. It sounds like doing literally the bare minimum. <laughs> you would right. have had something there and they didn't. It yep. just doesn't make sense. I don't know. After the release of the recording, the Nichols family took matters into their own hands and created the Help Us Find Care Nichols Facebook page. Through this, they received a tip from someone who said Kara has been trafficked to men in Long Island. The police were not able to locate her, and it's still unknown if the tip was a hoax or if it was real. May 2016, so two years later, a grand jury indictment was handed down to former Sheriff Terry Makita and members of his staff in regards to the allegations of corruption that included witness tampering kidnapping and extortion this led Kara's mother to question if her daughter's case had ever been handled properly at all probably not sounds like a no (laughs) yeah definitely no june 2018 the national center for missing and exploited children released an age progression photo of Kara, showing what she would have looked like at 25 years old and that's pretty cool to see you know it might not be spot on but you get a little bit of of what you're looking for today yeah so now we're going to talk about some possible theories that they had theory number one uh in this case suggests that Kara was murdered by her pimp a tip, a tip was sent into the National Women's Coalition Against Violence and Exploitation, which said the missing woman had owed her pimp money and she was abducted and killed. And her body was buried along a stretch of road in Castle Rock, Colorado, where as many as 10 bodies are said to be buried. This is 30 minutes from Denver and is along the route that she would have taken. So her parents believed that this was a strong possibility. This is further supported by tips which say that Kara had died years ago, not long after she went missing. The second Have theory. Doug, hold on. Just 10 bodies out there, just like. Back it up. <laughs> oh. Did they look into this at all? I, Did I, anybody go to Castle Rock, Colorado, where there are potentially 10 bodies buried? I don't think so somebody should probably go check it out i mean 10 is a pretty large number right i mean a lot that would give you some reason to go checking i need to learn more about these like ground probing machines they have that can see what's buried because like 
how bit how long does it take to go through because of course if they don't have an exact location that could be quite an undertaking however mm-hmm. are you able to do like decently large spanses of area i don't think so i think it's like a metal detector essentially okay like... so that could be looking for needles in a haystack still get like get 15 people together get each one of them their own ground penetrating radar which i'm sure they're just readily available right. and go get out there get go, out there guys see What's what you on? can yeah i bet they could probably get a better uh, pinpoint on a location than just castle rock colorado too. right yeah <laughs> so... well it was a- along a stretch of road i'm so i mean how many roads does it have <laughs> right <laughs> But still, I feel like if you lived in Castle Rock, you would probably be like, oh, yeah, they're talking about, you know, hijinks alley over here. That's right. where all the you dead know. bodies are. Right. So the theory number two was that the police are were currently working on a theory where Kara was forced into human trafficking that she fell into during one of these modeling jobs. According to investigators, there is a subculture of modeling business fronts that involve illegal drugs and prostitution. Her parents feel like at that point she could have been human trafficked and that's why she disappeared. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to talk about the new news that came out, newer news. But before I do, I don't know what the newer news is. Did you have a theory on what happened to her or did you know what the news was before? I figured that she was probably murdered by a pimp. That's seems like the easiest go. I just thought she was trafficked. I was going to say that. that, Yes. I could see that too, though, because I could see where those, you know, they try to draw you in and then all of a sudden you're in a van going to another country. So, I mean, I, I don't know because I choose not to know how prevalent human trafficking is because i know it's really big where we live because of the intersection of 70 and 75 it's really big everywhere especially probably somewhere like colorado springs that's on a main stretch too i think and i don't think i mean you probably if you got trafficked here you probably weren't going to another country i'm pretty sure there's lots of places in this country Probably like fronts with modeling gigs, like any business could be a front. So I don't know. That was what my suspicions were that she probably did get trafficked. Okay. And you're saying that you were thinking, okay, the pimp thing makes sense. Right. All right. So we're going to go on to the new news now and I'm going to find out what, am I going to find out what happened? I don't know. Maybe. I think so. Let's yeah. Let we're going to unveil the truth here. What really happened? February 8th, 2022, so a year ago, police say they found the remains of Kara Nichols. El Paso County Coroner's Office positively identified the remains of Nichols at a property located in the 9600 block of Burgess Road in Black Forest. Now, is Black Forest a Black Forest or is that It's just uh, a, I think a part... the county limits of Yeah, it's yeah. like kind of the outskirts but it's still in that area okay police arrested 46 year old joel hollendorfer in connection to her murder he is charged with second degree murder and tampering with physical evidence the police did not comment on the relationship he had to kara Uh, 
this is not satisfying yet proceed your turn He, he was first interviewed. This is not satisfying either. He was first interviewed by police in February 2013. So we're talking what? I don't know. I'm not good at math. Like 10 years? Pretty soon after she disappeared. Yeah. But but then they didn't talk to him again until 10 years later. Like when they caught not, him. That's not exactly true. But I mean, there is a large span of time there. So, yes, he, they interviewed him four months after she had disappeared And he told detectives that he had been in contact with her that day, but they never ended up meeting up because of disagreements on where the paid encounter would take place. Okay, El Paso County Police. What is happening? (laughs) Is this a joke? And why would a disagreement take place over there? Just any car, any forest. I mean, Waffle House. Yeah, the bathroom. Who knows? If you want to get it in, you're going to get it in. There's should be. I I would even get more if it was a disagreement over money. Yeah, the pay than it would about already agreed upon. It sounds like just where to go. Yeah. In 2014, detectives reviewed cell phone data from Kara that showed the final location before her cell phone was disconnected was very close to the farm owned by Hollendorfer in Black Forest. This promoted the El Paso County Sheriff's Office to acquire search warrants for the property. In 2014? Yeah, listen to this shit. While they searched... Hollendorfer's mother identified several spots on the farm where animals were buried. Because of the volume of anomalies detected by that radar equipment we talked about, investigators just couldn't determine a specific spot to dig. So they were just like, meh, there's a lot here, and I really don't have time for that. Like, what? All of them. All All of them. them. Yes. You buried some farm animals? I'm at least checking three of them to make sure they're farm animals. Yeah, they could have been more bodies. <laughs> Absolutely. What is going on. <sighs> That's crazy. The case went cold until January 2022 when investigators reached out to Hollendorfer's ex wife, who was uncooperative with the investigation when the two married during the initial investigation. So she just didn't feel like talking then. And this was eight years later after they were like, there's a lot of stuff here, but we're not going to do anything with it. Eight years? Are you kidding me? Something must have like reignited this case for them, them to, to actually start working on it because mm-hmm. or were they off chasing other leads? Probably, I don't know. Anyways. Doubt so it. they're talking to Hollendorfer's ex-wife now. During the interview, his ex-wife said he had told her he had accidentally killed and strangled an escort and buried the body on top of a horse at the farm. Jesus. How do you sleep at night next to someone for that long after they tell you that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hollendorfer's ex-wife wasn't certain if he was lying to her, which, why would you... Oh, well, she said, thinking maybe he was using that to intimidate her. Okay, so he's a bad, bad guy. Yes. Several witnesses say that he had an abusive relationship with his ex-wife, who has since remarried and moved to Virginia. Good for her. 
good for her. Yeah. It sounds like it was very rough. And I guess I understand thinking he's probably just trying to intimidate me. You're not going to call the police about that unless you truly believed that he did, which she must not have. Yeah. Okay. Court records show that Hollendorfer had been accused and convicted of harassment and protection order violations numerous times in 2012 and 2015. He was also convicted of theft and two burglary charges in 1996. Following the statement from his ex-wife, investigators interviewed both Hollendorfer and his mommy. One spot on the farm became a point of interest for investigators all of a sudden. When they asked the mom what was buried there, she told them it was her kid's favorite horse, Milo. But when they asked Hollendorfer, he said nothing was buried there. And if it was his favorite horse, he would have known where they were buried. He would have known. And it probably was the horse. Mm Mm-hmm. But investigators just trying to be like, no, nothing's there. I don't know. Your ground penetrating radar sucks, man. There's nothing there. Investigators picture. Yeah, he looks like a freaking murderer. Um, he looks scary. Investigators obtained a search warrant for the property and dug at the suspicious spot, and Kara's body was found on top of the horse. I'm still stunned at his face because I scrolled down. It's in your face. And it surprised me. How does one frown like that? I think that's just the way his mouth goes when he closes it. (laughs) I don't know. It's not good. It's not good for anyone. I'm so glad that they uh, made it out there, even if it took them way too long. And they started digging. If there was a horse buried, that'd be a big freaking blip on the radar, right? Like, the reason he, it was a big blip. It was. And he was kind of smart for choosing that spot. But yeah, if you, I mean, I understand not wanting to dig up a dead horse. That sounds like a lot of work, but get a bulldozer out there. Under, under the horse. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's where he fucked up. Yep. That's where he fucked up. That is. Yeah. No murderers listen to this right now. <laughs> right. Because we know some things and he doesn't mess up. Smart, he would have got under that horse. Anyways, they needed to be out there digging up all of the far- How many farming animals could there possibly be? <sighs> or big enough to be a horse you know what i mean like you or obviously a person's body is yeah, what you, it is big enough to be a person's body right you wouldn't want to look up a dead chicken that's not right. gonna fit so just i mean yes how many blips on the radar were there can we just go check all of them out they should have done that way back when eight years ago right During a hearing, prosecutors told the judge that the charges would likely increase to first-degree murder based on autopsy results. After the preliminary hearing, the judge confirmed this was going to trial. The charge changed to first-degree murder. If convicted under Colorado law, he will be given a mandatory sentence of life in prison. Which he has not been... It's still in the trial, so we don't have... 
that much of an update yet. Correct. We will, as these things happen and he gets convicted, which he will because he's a murderer, then we will update you. Deal. All right. Details from the autopsy. The final diagnosis. Well, she was identified by dental comparisons. Mm-hmm. Question. Yes. Is her weight how much her body weighed when they found her? I would assume so. how much so. she always weighed? How would they know what she always weighed? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I would I assume that say, would be her bones. 90, 92 pounds is pretty light. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's... That's very light. You could then start looking at the chickens okay. for the, but no, that they would have no that idea has... what she weighed before. So it would be her bones. You're right. You're right. <laughs> All right. Final diagnosis asphyxia due to strangulation. Decomposed remains of a young adult Caucasian female placed in three layers of duct tape sealed black plastic contractor bags. And buried three to four feet below the ground surface. A reported witness to the death relayed to a third party that he accidentally killed an escort a couple of years prior to that and ultimately buried her on his mother's farm. And that he accidentally strangled her while they were having sex. The body discovered in the exact location and condition as described and relayed by the witness. No identifiable anatomic cause of death. So they did not, they could not tell that she died due to strangulation. They are just Correct. going by the witness. Okay. Right. But she doesn't have any like, you know, holes in her skull or anything like that that would indicate trauma. Yeah. Okay. And then it says probable heroin intoxication. There was a reported history of heroin abuse. Morphine to codeine ratio greater than 1.0 in postmortem tissue. That's crazy that it stays in you that long. Yeah. That like eight crazy. years. Well, longer than that. Longer than that. Yeah, 10 years. 10 years, yeah. That is, that is crazy. Hmm. Drugs are bad, okay? Okay. Now we're going to talk about, this is just another, there's several pages to this autopsy. Um, so I just picked the ones that gave us the most information. So this is kind of a more in-depth of what they examined. If you do not want to hear this, stop now and thanks for listening. <laughs> um, so the remains are initially discovered approximately three to four feet below the surface of the soil in a clandestine grave and are received at the coroner's office and approximately the condition they were discovered with the exception of unintentional traumatic removal of the right arm during excavation. The body is received at the morgue lying prone, which is face down as it was discovered in the grave sealed in three separate layers of black plastic contractor bags. There are three pairs of six total bags of a black plastic trash bags which encircle the upper and lower halves of the body respectively and are sealed with two to three horizontal circumference oh my circumferential whoa i didn't even know that was a word uh wrappings of gray duct tape at the bag junctions around the level of the thighs 
Each of the three layers of paired bags are sealed with identical appearing gray duct tape. The portions of bags extending down the right side of the body were tore open during examination, which also traumatically amputated the right upper extremity at the distal humerus and caused fractures of the proximal radius and Yolna and a five by five centimeter laceration of the forearm. That is like what a were lot they of using? trauma. I don't know. Like you would think just like a little knife, right? Like that sounds like a freaking saw. They did it while they were digging, I think. No, this says that it was happened whenever they oh, when tore open. You're right, during excavation. So maybe they were using some sort of like forklift or not forklift. What are those things? <laughs> what are those forklift. things? Yeah, you know, yeah. a digger. A digger. Is that what that's called? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it makes sense. That's to what me. it does. So that's what it's called. That does not seem like the ideal thing to use when you're looking Mm-mm. for potential body, even if it is just the horse. It just yeah. does not seem like the right thing, the right tool for the job. But I guess if they had to do a, a larger area because the ground penetrating thing's not that good or something. Or maybe they were using shovels. I mean, it was an old, It she, her bones were there for a long time. So yeah. I feel like breaking them probably wouldn't you wouldn't have to put in that much effort to do so yeah but it's good that Mm. i guess i don't know how they would know what was damaged because of the excavation and what happened before i guess maybe i don't know they can tell some way in the bones i'm not a scientist i don't even know if it was i mean this is like real morbid i don't even know if that would have been all bones like really? I don't know if she would have been all bones. She was wrapped in three layers of sealed trash bags. So that probably like kept things slower to deteriorate, I would think. So it takes, well, that's not a good answer. And in three bags, though, think about it. If you put something in a bag and seal the bag. I'm looking that up next. In a body, how long does the body take to decompose in a bag? Wow. You're going to get arrested by the FBI. (laughs) For sure. Uh, Oh, that's a freaking Reddit or something. I need like, I need some real stuff. You are going to need to, you know, we'll look this up later. We'll update you guys next week. Because you could probably get on the body farm website. Ooh, I don't know if I want to do that, though. I'm just saying. I bet it's on there. It probably is. But but if she was not in bags, it could take 45 to 50 days or several years is what I got. The brief yeah. synopsis from Google. I think, I mean, I think plastic bags are going to make a big difference. I agree. Or it could make it worse, right? Because... Yeah, it's all well, decaying. Better, worse, whatever. It's I just don't. I mean, she's not going to be like. It's not just bones in the bags, is what I'm getting at. Okay, I don't like that. I don't um, like that either. Poor thing. The amputated forearm, wrist, and hands are received within 32, or I'm sorry, within the body bag outside of the trash bags. Each black plastic bag measures approximately 41 by 32 inches and are identical in appearance. 
Recovered in the body bag is the previously removed clear plastic point of purchase duct tape product wrapper. So he threw the trash in there with her. Oh, what a dick. Yeah. Each layer of duct tape and trash bags are removed, revealing the severely decomposed remains of a young adult Caucasian female, 68 inches tall, weighing 92 pounds, and appearing compatible with the stated age of 19 years. The deceased is clad in a black hooded sweatshirt with black lettering stating pink, a black bra, unbuttoned and unzipped black jeans pulled up to the mid to upper buttock, underwear with pink block lettering, a pair of black and multicolored fabric slipper boots, the right toe portion torn and loose in the body bag, and a white halter top, which is received pulled partially down the trunk. Received separately in the body bag is a heavily soiled white sock and a heavily soiled white tank top. The jewel, uh, jewelry consists of two transdermal posts over the lower back and umbilicus ring. Is that your belly? Belly, yeah, belly button. So. That makes okay. sense. With dangling wires, a gray metal post lip piercing, and a gray metal left ear post. Mm. That's mm. tough. That is tough. So it looks like, okay, severely decomposed. What does that mean? Still some stuff in there, I that, guess. There's I a know. wide range, I think, that that yeah. can mean. But either way, I mean, she dresses like we used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I pink don't know. lettering on so, the sweatshirt. I had sweatpants that say, I still have them, actually. They're hot pink and then have, like, hot orange lettering that say pink on the butt. I and remember those. My mom hated those so bad because I would go to the store in them and stuff, and she'd be like, "You are not going outside." Like, <laughs> it's like, like mom, yes, I am. Bye. <laughs> it's the hip thing to do. Everybody was in pink stuff. Yeah. Ugh. So this this is a real this is a bummer all around. But at least I'm thankful that the parents were able to get some closure because not knowing where your kid is would be like the worst thing ever. And even if you knew that they had passed away, at least you weren't searching for them anymore and you knew what happened. I just feel like the unknown would be terrible. But this, I mean, this is just awful. And he looks straight up like a murderer. He's terrifying looking. And I think, too, an added layer to the parents not knowing where she was it sounds like from what we're reading, again, my thought would have been that she was trafficked and I would rather like know where my, you know, if she was dead, I'd rather know that as opposed to thinking she could be being trafficked mm-hmm. and I have no way to find her or get her or anything. It's just like, right. But the whole thing is just devastating. That's so sad. I feel like. I read a, I think I talked about this last episode where I read a book about somebody whose child was taken and just the relief of, you know, the t- constant tension that you would have as to, are, am I going to find them today? Am I going to hear some bad news? Just like constantly, that would be so hard to deal mm-hmm. with. Yeah, so at least no way to alleviate that. Well, like, and you could think up crazy stuff like, you know, maybe they'll just come walking through the door or I'll get a phone call from an unknown number or, you know, there'd be so many triggers, I feel like, mm-hmm. just in general life stuff. Yeah. Yep. Everything. So, 
And uh, shame on them for not looking into this guy more to begin with, because obviously he is a murderer. Yeah, shame on, yeah. And, and, and it seems like while they didn't get everything they probably deserved, they got some of their comeuppance with the, the you know, trial for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds yeah, like there's a lot of it. shady shenanigans going on there, uh, which just makes it sad for all of the victims that they didn't do the right thing by. Yeah, for sure. And thank goodness, as far as we know, this guy didn't kill anybody else because right. he was just out living his life for so long. Well, did they check the other bodies on the that were buried there? They probably should have. I don't like know. Not because they seem to be lazy about it. Yeah. But hopefully, hopefully they did. Yeah. Wow. This is a tough, sad tale, but at least we have the ending that her parents can can get that closure yeah my sources for this were uh stories of the unsolved.com uh she i don't know if it's a she whoever wrote this it was more like a story where all the other ones were just like news articles and this kind of threw everything together so if you want to know more you know that that was a really good source the uh, gazette.com and koaa.com were the sources that i used all right so all right well we hope you enjoyed episode 131 on the kara nichols disappearance and we'll see you next time bye bye